Mackerel Podcast number 303 for May 30th, 2012. Welcome to another Mackerel Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. It's the end of May, which means the end of school is just around the corner for a lot of kids. Before those kids can write their What I Did on My Summer Vacation Essays next fall, they actually have to experience that summer vacation, and it's up to you as a parent to plan that time off. In this episode, we talk about putting that time off to constructive use so that when your child walks into the classroom come September, they will have retained something of their previous year's learning. Two of my favorite Macworld editors join me to talk about exactly that. I'm joined by Macworld senior editor Sholly Sawyer-McFarland and Roman Loyal to discuss summer brain drain. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having us. So, Sholly, as this line of questioning is based on a piece that uh, you wrote that will appear shortly on Macworld.com, give us an idea of what summer brain drain is. Well, um, a lot of studies have shown that kids lose a bunch of knowledge over the summer. And when they come back to school in the fall, uh, the first few weeks of school are typically spent relearning things that they used to know but forgot during the lazy days of summer. So um, that's something that's a big concern to a lot of parents because, you know, kids spend all that time learning that stuff. They don't want them to lose everything. Um, So the idea of trying to prevent summer brain drain is just helping kids continue the habit of learning while they're away on summer break. Okay, but how serious is this drain? I mean, are we talking about what they lose like a week and they need a refresher of week or is it going to be like a quarter of school or or what? It's typically four to six weeks of classwork. And if you are an at-risk student, that can be really significant. Um, But for all students, you know, that's a whole month of school that you're spent just repeating things that you already did last year. Um, In particular, math skills have, have been seen to really be lost by kids. And if they're having any trouble reading, those skills also uh, start to disintegrate. Huh. Well, okay, then I have a question about that. Yeah. Because summer brain drain, I have to think, is kind of built into teachers' lesson plans. Mm -hmm. Uh, They expect it. And so your kid doesn't suffer this because you've done something about it. But everybody else's have suffered. And so is your kid like twiddling their thumbs for four to six weeks? So they're going, yeah, no, I, I, no, I did this over the summer. I really don't need to do this now. What do I do? Well, that's a good question. Could be. So if, if that's, if that's the case, you don't need to worry about it. Let them them run, (laughs) run free. Okay. Well, perfect. (laughs) You know, um, I, was it last summer or the summer before last summer? Uh, I actually, uh, witnessed this brain drain from my own son when he started uh, third grade or I'm sorry he's when he started second grade it felt like the beginning of that second grade was he was doing a lot of catch-up and it's it, it was clear to me that he had forgotten some of the stuff he had learned that he had actually we thought mm-hmm. mastered uh, previously but when the year started it was like he never learned that stuff at all. And so my wife and I were kind of like, wait, wait, what's going on here? I don't know. And so it was kind of weird to actually experience that brain drain. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I've actually seen it happen with my own son. And it's, it's kind of it is a little disconcerting at yeah, first. Yeah. 
Okay, well, when yeah. when parents think of um, keeping up their kids' skills during the summer, I think a lot of parents think, okay, well, I have to do flashcards or, you know, their summer reading lists. Now, surely with all the technology that we have at our disposal, there are better resources than sitting your kid down, you know, and showing mathematics flashcards. There are a lot of great resources online now. And in this past year, I've done this story for many, many years in a row. This past year, there's been an explosion in online learning. And I was really amazed by the different types of resources that have have come into existence just this past year. Um, well, probably the biggest one and the one that a lot of people have heard about in the news or here and there is Khan Academy. And that is an online learning site that was started by uh, a man called Salman Khan, a Sal. And he started making YouTube videos for his, his cousin to help her with her math homework. And they became a big hit on YouTube. So he ended up getting backing. He's now backed by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And they've turned it into a really immense free resource. It's got 3,000 instructional videos covering kindergarten through 12th grade math, science, and humanities. Primarily, it started as math, and math is where there is the most. Um, the math part of it has not only videos showing the kids how to do things, but also assessments. Um, so they can take quizzes right away and see if they've gotten the concepts. They can also earn badges as they not only master the skills, but even just watch the videos or pay attention. Um, so there's all these different types of badges to reward them for sticking with it. And it's, it's a really cool resource. The, one of the nice things is none of the videos are longer than 10 minutes. So mm -hmm. you could do just one of these a day as an additional chore for your, for your kid, for instance. Um, and it's not going to be a big time commitment. But they, they will keep on being exposed to math during the summer. And a kid who's worked really hard in math or has been having trouble with math... That, that, that will help them avoid the feeling at the beginning of the year when they come back and they're like, oh, no, because they've forgotten stuff. And then they have to struggle to catch up with just a little bit that they've done each day. They, they won't have to they won't have to go through that hardship of grinding back into gear at the beginning of the year. And um, and they're fun. They're very basic, like they're not fancy or flashy um, in any way. But they're really clear explanations, and the badges and things like that can be real motivators for kids. I know my eight-year-old is really inspired by the badges. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that, because, um, you know, you've looked at a lot of these resources, and you can imagine that, you know, rather than inspiring your kid or, or them having a lot of fun doing it, instead they're just moaning about it. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's like having to take the garbage out, right? Like, no, it's summer. I don't want to have to learn. Mm -hmm. So so you're finding with some of these resources, they actually are fun and, and something that a kid might actually want to do instead of complain about. Well, that's part of your job as a parent is kind of looking through things like this and trying to figure out, like, is there something that your kid has struggled with that you don't want them to have to really struggle with more at the beginning of the year? Is there something that they're really interested in, which they might want to go farther with during the summer? Um, there are so many different types of resources. Um, some of the other things I mentioned in the article, uh, one of them is the LEGO Space Project. And LEGO 
did a project with NASA where they sent a bunch of simple Lego kits up to the astronauts on the International Space Station. Um, and uh, now the astronauts are actually putting together simple machines and taking videos of them. And there's a whole curriculum that's online now that kids can watch the astronauts as they build these machines and then build them themselves. And that's pretty fun. And it's cool because you get to see what the Legos do without gravity. And that's something, you know, that you couldn't see any other way. And it's also cool for the kids because they're getting to build along with the astronauts. So something like that might be a high motivation activity. If you've got a kid who loves Legos and who loves space, and let's face it, there's a big overlap in those interests. Yeah. <laughs> um, in then, adults, too. In adults, too. I, I must say, I watched a bunch of, of Simple Machine videos just this morning. Um, it's really cool. So you get to see that. And then you're that's an easy way to learn without it seeing, seeming te tedious because it's a cool thing you couldn't really do any other way. Right. Now, Roman, you have two boys. So you talked about noticing there was some kind of brain drain. Was it any particular... Um, skill that they were losing? Was it math? Was it reading? Or, or was it just generally they checked out for the summer and they just come back in going, oh, I don't know anything anymore? It, it was, it was, it wasn't one particular subject. It just seemed like my, it was my one, my oldest son in particular where, where I witnessed it. And he's actually very good at math. And there were some aspects of uh, things that he had learned in math the year before the, the the year that I just finished that he seemed to not master anymore and it was that's why it was a little disconcerting to uh to us because he's very good at math and to see that he had kind of forgotten how to do certain things uh raised you know it raised our uh, awareness of what was going on so uh so yeah so that's it, it wasn't it, it was math but there were, it was it was different aspects as uh, mm -hmm. different things that he was also kind of forgotten as well but it but he caught up and it took about 4 weeks for him to get it all back yeah okay so, well and that's in line with what what Charlie was saying so yeah. Charlie you mentioned um Khan Academy is there something else you looked at that would help um Roman's son with his math <laughs> well there are a few things it depends on what sort of what you're looking for one of the hottest areas of online learning right now is brain training and there are a number of sites dedicated to brain training and when I say that they are they are geared to they're they're intended to improve overall mental qualities like memory and attention um, instead of maybe just straight math like multiplication tables and things like that it's not it's not memorization it's more the processing um but at the same time a lot of those there are math games for for instance in some of these brain training sites uh one of the most popular is lumosity and a lot mm -hmm. of adults do that um and i think your daughter does that doesn't she chris does she do lumosity she yeah she does a little bit of it yeah they have a student section, Lumosity Scholar, which has uh, some games designed to help with, with um, the types of skills that students need. And there are actually some, some games designed for specific learning differences, like ADHD. 
Um, so the great thing about those is they keep their fun games for the most part, and they don't seem like you're learning anything, but they do keep the speed with mental processing and, you know, recognizing patterns. It's like fun games that you might just have a bunch of them on your iPad. These, though, are intended to do specific things for your brain. Um, now, the one thing about them is unlike a lot of those fun games on the iPads, on the iPad, Lumosity costs money. So you do have to... Okay. You have to pay for it, and it's $80 for a one-year subscription, or you can get a family membership where you have five accounts for $130. So it's it's a little bit of a financial commitment. Um, but they have a lot of games that a lot of people really love, and they are all different types of games. Uh, type Racer, where your type it's actually your typing speed, is something I know a bunch of Macworld people do. Um, and there's different. There's even a game that's like face memory workout, where you're recognizing faces. It's all different sorts of um, uh, mental functions, and that that is the type of thing that will help you with your math skills and your other types. Th- those are the types of skills that you're practicing when you do some of your schoolwork that you don't even realize you're you're practicing. Okay. Um, now none of us have teenagers yet. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> But that day is coming someday. Um, so let's talk about resources for older kids. I mean, are there resources that aren't going to cause a teenager to, you know, roll their eyes at you and slam the door and, you know, call you a, a horrible name through the door? Um, something the, that can engage them where they don't feel like, oh, please don't make me do this. Well, one of the sites that I hadn't tried before that one of our Macworld staffers turned me on to is a game called Free Rice. And it is a nonprofit website run by the United Nations World Food Program. And the cool thing about it is that you do really straight memorization questions, things that a teenager might have to know, like chemistry symbols or mm-hmm. um, world flags, capitals. Uh, foreign language vocabulary, things like that that you would typically have to do flashcards for. But the neat thing is that for every question you answer correctly, you earn um, rice to help hungry people across the world. So it kind of takes it outside of just being about you and your dull task to memorize and gives Mm -hmm. it a higher purpose that I think would be pretty, it would be really helpful, uh, especially for a teenager. Um, to have a little bit more riding on these things that they have to learn than just their own their own needs. Um, you can make a t- team. So you could have a, you know, if you know you're going to be starting an AP history class, for instance, and you have to know a certain set of things, you could get your friends who are going to be in the class together and you could comp- compete together to see how much rice you could earn and I think that's pretty fun. For It yeah. makes it a little more fun than, than just having your flashcards that you have to memorize. Well, what about things like programming? Because I know, they're, um, you know teenagers are increasingly interested in learning how to code. Um, and maybe that's not appropriate for a younger child, but um, for a lot of people, it would be a, an interesting way to kind of spend a summer starting to get um, getting your coding skills up. One of the sites that was recommended to me... Um, by my husband, actually, who writes uh, different computer language books, is Codecademy. 
and it is a pretty fun site that the, it's free, which makes it different from a lot of the resources you'll find out there. And it's open source, so people are adding to it a lot of the a lot of new things to it, and it uh, has very small manageable exercises that all build together to teach programming basics, CSS, HTML, JavaScript, um, in, in a much more accessible way. The, well, the thing that I really liked about it when I looked at it was that each module is followed by a project. So you learn how to do something basic and then you immediately put it into action. And that can be from as simple as creating a recipe card to one of them, um, you make a fully working blackjack game. And that brings together the, the little um, skills that you've learned right away into a project where you can put them together, which I think will help people remember them a lot better. Cool. So can you gamble with your friends online? I guess you could, yeah. <laughs> and that would, improve, that would improve your math skills. So there you go, right there. <laughs> You'd learn something about finances as well. <laughs> so, Roman, what... Are your boys interested in technology? I mean, I think both both you and your wife are, are in the tech business. And if if they are, what kind of things do they want to learn? They are. Um, I, I think this what happens to a lot of people, it's happened to us, I think, is that, you know, we introduced the computer as a tool to teach them things, as an educational tool. But then they soon realize that you can use this computer to do other things that are more fun than learning yeah. like play games especially play games so it's hard to get them on the computer to do something different than playing a game now because they see that as you know they've gotten older and they they want to have more fun and they've kind of outgrown a lot of the educational games that they used to play a lot mm -hmm. so now you know like my oldest son he's into playing Diablo now and you know, it's, he's a, it's a little crazy to think that my nine-year-old son likes playing Diablo. And maybe some people might even think that's inappropriate. But he seems to handle it okay. Um, but, we, you know, we, we uh, temper his time on the computer when he's playing games. But, the, yes, they are very much into technology. They love playing with my iPad. Um, they keep asking me for their own gear, and I keep saying no. Um, so... It's, but it is this kind of weird conundrum that we have where the tech can be used as an educational device, but they want to fight us and use, do the more fun aspects of, um, of using the computer. One thing that happened last year at our school was uh, a parent in the PTA decided he wanted to teach kids how to create uh, reports and presentations using Google Docs. So he picked a handful of kids, one of them being my my son, and they put together these reports using Google Docs. And it, my son was actually very excited about creating this uh, this report about this uh, trip to Lake Tahoe that we took in February, and creating a slideshow and creating uh, writing up text that goes with it. He he thought it was very fun, and that kind of helped open his eyes up as to what, what else you can do with the tech other than just play games and, uh, and play educational games with it. So. Well, you know, I, I can tell you how to cure your, your sons of their gaming addiction. How's that? Uh, you just make them write a game column for a year. <laughs> <laughs> 
kind of like I, you did, you did, and I did, right? Exactly. <laughs> so about a year of that, and you go, okay, that's enough. I'm never going to yeah. play another yeah. game in my entire life. I appreciate all these um, online resources that we can use because my w- wife and I took the most, the more, the most drastic thing that you can do in the summers. We're actually sending our kids to summer school. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, you know, there's other issues that go along with it, like, you know, in, in San Francisco, there are, in addition to the holidays, there are 10 furlough days. They're actually talking about talk, cutting the school year down, mm-hmm. making it even shorter. So they're spending less time in the classroom. And my wife and I thought, they're going to go to summer school now. And my kids aren't that happy <laughs> with that decision. But the fortunate thing is the summer school is only four hours long. And then they spend the rest of the day doing free play. So, Yeah, and I think that's an issue that's coming up for a lot of people. Um, certainly here in California and other states across the nation are being affected by cutbacks to, to school budgets. And so kids are spending less time in school. Um, a lot of resources are being cut. Libraries are being cut. Special programs. So it depends more on par- parental involvement. And, and I think this ties into what we've been talking about in that and I'll put this as a question to Shali, how much of this stuff requires that this becomes a parental project as well? I mean, can I just turn these over to my daughter and say, here, go, and I'm going to go and do my thing? Or should I really be involved in these things as well? I think a lot of it depends on how old your kid is. Um, certainly a lot of the resources that I have in the story are actually not things that kids do on online by themselves. They're really resources for parents to find projects for doing with their kids. Um, one of the great things that you can find online are science projects and science kits. Um, the kind of interactive learning that not everybody gets at school anymore, depending on where you go to school. And a lot of parents who read Macworld and listen to these podcasts are enthusiasts about technology and science and are just waiting for the opportunity to get to do things like this with their kids during the summer. And I'm talking about Mentos geysers. Everybody has seen that before where you put a pack of Mentos into some diet soda and it erupts in a giant 20-foot geyser. Um, Fun science projects like that um, are are a great way for kids to learn about science, but they do require their parents to be there with them, learning with them. Um, and a, a lot of this stuff does require parents to, to be there with their kids. Um, but I'd say about half of it doesn't. It's things kids can do if they already know how to use the technology. And especially as they get older, of course, they can do more and more things on their own. Okay, well, what about when you're traveling? Let's say you're going on vacation. Do you just kind of shut this stuff down, or are there apps that you can take with you that you can continue to emphasize learning? There are a ton of apps, and I don't know if you want to have your kids at the beach uh, playing on the iPad, but you might want them playing on the iPad in the airplane on the way to your trip to the beach when you've got, you know, your long car trips and long plane trips. I think the iPad and the iPhone can just be a, a lifesaver. Uh, we have, there are so many apps now and everybody has different favorites. The ones that I included in the story were, the, were just a handful that are very specifically more school-like learning. Um, mm-hmm. For little kids, one of my one of my favorites right now is the 
teach me kindergarten and teach me first grade, they are really simple apps. They're not that fancy looking. But uh, my youngest child is crazy about these games. They have like a little mouse who talks to you and it goes through very traditional things like sight words and simple addition and subtraction and writing. And it uses handwriting recognition to show the kids how to form the letters and answer the questions. But then it rewards them with coins that they can use to customize a little aquarium of their own. Um, and that's been a huge motivation for my, for my daughter to learn these things. And it's quite amazing because she has learned them all on her own just because she wanted to get those coins. Um, so there, there are a number of games like that. There's For older kids, there's the Mensa Brain Test is another one I, I have in, in the story, which is much more difficult. It's like very, you know, the funky-looking puzzles that you'll see in intelligence tests, um, which the right kid will love that sort of stuff. And you can fit those in just in the awkward moments of traveling or just have that as, as something that the kids can, can use when they're in between places. But I would put the technology away when, you're, when you get to your vacation. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I, I will tell you a Mensa story that my band once played a Mensa party and, uh, and you know, full of brilliant people, but not one of them knew how to tap a keg of beer. <laughs> <laughs> and that tells me that when the zombie apocalypse comes, they will be first on the menu. <laughs> because in terms of practical skills, like how to get beer out of a keg, completely useless. Well, they might have tastier brains, too. Mm. I, I, you know, I bet they do. Good point. Although maybe they're a little tough because they're, they're being exercised so much. <laughs> sure. They may be a little tough. Well, we'll have to find out. If anybody is a Mensa member and would like to send your brain to us uh, for tasting, we would be happy to give that a go. Uh, Roman, so uh, when your kids aren't playing Diablo, are there any, um, any particular apps that, that they like to use that, uh, that can be considered educational? Uh, well, they actually do uh, like to watch the, the the Khan Academy stuff, even though mm -hmm. they, they actually, because what's great about the, the Khan Academy stuff is that uh, he, does, he does such a very good job explaining the lessons that my sons even watch stuff that, you know, they'll watch like, they'll watch stuff that's beyond their grade level, high school level even, and my kids are in elementary school. And they may not understand it, but because they're because they're explained so clearly, they feel like they're getting to understand it at least on the way there. Yeah. And you know, not they may not necessarily completely understand it, but it makes them feel more um, empowered, and that they that it's that kind of topic, those subjects are approachable for them when they eventually do get to that, and it won't seem as foreign. So that, the the Khan Academy stuff is very popular with with my kids. They like watching it. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's turn to the personal for a second. Um, you both have kids. You have boy kids. I have a girl kid. Um, no, sorry, you have a girl kid. I have kid both. Too. You have both. You got the, <laughs> you the match. Um, so as a parent, not as you know, a tech writer and, and somebody who, who writes a story like this, is this really an issue that you're concerned about, or do you sort of feel like your kids have had nine months of school and they deserve a break? Well, one of the things that I am concerned about, actually, is our schools have cut back really drastically on PE and recess. And 
For instance, in Oregon, by law, they have to provide PE to kids twice a week for half an hour. And I personally find that really outrageously little. Um, Mm -hmm. So to be honest, summer for me is a great chance for my oldest child to get to do something which I think is just as important as the math, and that's exercise. Uh, Because I don't feel like that um, part of his learning is really being attended to during the school year. So uh, I we do camp. We're able to do camps, and he does camp all year, and he does really, really active camps all summer. And I actually think that's important, too. There have been a lot of studies that show exercising is one of the best things you can do for your brain. And so I, I look forward to the summer as a time when he can work on, on other things other than the academic um, subjects. But when he is playing with the iPad, I like him to have some educational stuff on there. Because if he's going to play on it, why not? If, if I can find fun stuff, have it be things that will also help him not suffer as much when he goes back to school. Right. Uh, Roman, what about you? Uh, one of the things I found interesting in my experience is um, sort of balancing... Um, stuff we do at home with the stuff that's done in school. Um, I used to use um, a set of, I guess they're called, I guess they're worksheets from a company called True Learning. And they create these workbooks that you can use for your kid. They go through the workbooks and they have different lessons and things like that. And at one point, I had sort of exceeded what they were doing in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do about that because at I didn't know whether I should stop or if I should just keep going because it contradicted what they were doing in the classroom. And in the classroom, they weren't this this weird hang-up that I have about our schools. They don't, you know, in San Francisco, their curriculum is designed to bring the bottom up. Right. It's not that they don't have... A, I was once told... I was told by my kindergarten teacher once of my son's kindergarten teacher that because um, he was having some problems in kindergarten because he was getting bored and I was doing this true learning stuff with him to kind of help him keep him occupied mm-hmm. and uh, he was getting bored because the stuff they were doing was too easy and we kind of had this long discussion and she thought yeah this might be a problem I might have with my kid and I'm going to have to wait till middle school to get him more challenging curriculum from the school and I kind of just went, wait a minute, really? <laughs> so so it's kind of this thing where I have to figure out how to keep my kid challenged. But at the same time, I don't want him to go to school and be bored because the school serves a purpose. So it is kind of an interesting balance that I'm trying to find, and, you know, using things that are online. There's, I mean, that's the great thing about the Internet and the technology is that there's a whole there's a vast number of resources you can tap into to satisfy your kid, your kid's education. But at the same time, if he's going to school, you have to kind of find a, a good compromise with that. Yeah. And it's hard to do because we had the same kind of discussion with a, a teacher a few years ago. And, and she just said, actually, this is the principal. She said, you know, we teach to the mean um, right. We're trying to get right. the average kid going. And if you have a, a child that, that is special needs, but on the other end of the spectrum, where right. they're really an advanced learner, they do spend a lot of time twiddling their thumbs because 
they are way beyond what's going on in the classroom and they're just sitting around and there's and there's the danger of them getting bored and so you try to work with gate coordinators or whoever you can but uh, one thing that i found and i think this is reflected in a piece that is um that's in the opening of, of this month's issue of mac world is that in my training as an early childhood educator, we talked a lot about teachable moments, and I use technology for that, which is when my daughters and I are out doing something, um, you know, I have, have my iPhone with me, and maybe we see, you know, ants or something, or, you know, right. there's stars in the sky or their planets, and we start talking about that, and then you use that technology to, to enhance it, because this is a moment where I can teach something, um, you know, without having somebody sit down in front of the computer and, and learning lessons, but instead like, okay, we can use this opportunity to enhance something that she knows. And then you can kind of build from there. And I think that's, that does require more parental involvement, but that is a way to take this tech and, um, and use it as a resource. You know, no longer do we have to say, well, we'll wait to get to home and then we'll have to look in the encyclopedia. We'll have to look in a dictionary, but instead you've got this stuff right in your, your hands. Right. That's a very good point. Very good point. We, we, I do that a lot with my kids and they ask me questions where we're somewhere and I, I'll say, I don't know, but we can look it up and we, we talk about it right then and there. And it, it helps. And th they don't realize that's actually an educational moment. They just think that it's really cool that they've learned stuff about something that they see right then and there. And they know more about it than just what they've just experienced. There's more background to it. There's more history to it. It makes it makes for a more, uh, rich experience yeah and it's coming from a source that they respect at least so far um <laughs> you know but they're not teenagers yet yeah they're not teenagers <laughs> yet whereas when you're sitting in a classroom and and you just have to you know you're you're there to absorb this information in in far too many classrooms you know you go yeah okay that's another thing i have to do and you're looking at the clock and wondering when recess is going to be and what you're going to have for lunch and that stupid billy across the way you're going to punch him out behind a backstop later <laughs> But when you're, when you're with your parent and, you know, like, oh, this is cool. Dad's teaching me this or mom's teaching me this. Or they're not teaching. They're just telling them a story, um, which right. that they can then use in, elsewhere. And I think maybe that's at least as important as, as what they're getting in school. And that, and that you as a parent, particularly as a technically savvy parent, have a way to use this technology in a way that's going to compel them to, um, to explore this stuff more than they would by sitting in a class. I think if you've got kids who are frustrated with school and they might be frustrated because they have a learning difference and things are moving too fast, they might be frustrated because they learn at a different rate and things are moving too fast or too slow. If you show them how they can get information that they're interested in on their at their own speed, I think mm -hmm. you've done them a real service. And that's part of the great thing about these devices we have. They don't even have to go to the library to find things. I mean, I think taking them to the library is a really good idea, too, because that's another powerful source of information, the librarians and all those books. But with this, it's like, you know, maybe they're really into certain games and they're wondering why a character is named something. Well, you can usually figure it out pretty quickly. And once they realize they can figure these things out, the things that matter to them, out and learn more about them, I think that is, is so powerful for kids to take that learning into their own hands and realize that even if the things that are happening in the classroom aren't things that they really feel like they care about or relate to, learning itself can still be useful to them in their own way. 
um, then that's, I think, the, the best thing that you can give them with this technology is, is those tools to find out about the things they care about. Right, so they can learn to learn, which I think is just an absolutely vital skill mm-hmm. that oftentimes you don't get in school because you're just there to consume what's delivered to you instead of, here, let's let's go out and figure out how to do this. And that presents an interesting challenge, too. Where do you go? And so I think that's why having an article like this with these resources is helpful because a lot of times parents don't know, you know, they say, well, go to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes reliable, but not always. Or, or sometimes kids think, okay, well, that's it. That's the answer. Wikipedia and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly that's not the case. It's, you want to maybe use that as a jumping off point, but there are lots of places to go from there. But where? And so learning how to do research is, is vital. I want to mention one last thing that, I, that we haven't mentioned that is something that my kids enjoy a lot, and that's brain pop. I don't know if you guys have that in your house. Have either of you guys looked at brain pop before? No. Brain pop is this fantastic site um, where the, it's all animated, and it's uh, Moby, who's a robot, and his person, whose name I've forgotten at this moment. And they do short, they're short videos, one every day, about all different topics. It's, and it it's, has something usually to do with um, current events. So on MLK Day, for instance, there'll be a biography of Martin Luther King. Everything is really age-appropriate for elementary school kids, um, but they're also really funny. And uh, that's something that my, my kid, he watches them every morning when he's, when he's having breakfast. You can get a subscription so that you have access to all the videos, and there's hundreds and hundreds of videos. And they're really fun, and they're, they're a great way to learn about all different things. Like you, you can just look at a certain topic and then watch all the different videos about art, or and it'll be biographies, but then it'll also be like techniques, and, and they're, all, they're all really funny. So that's one of my, my son's m- most, um, most favorite uh, internet resources that we use. Okay, excellent. Yeah. And with that, I will wish you both a fun-filled and education summer. You can read Sholly's Summer Brain Drain story on Macworld.com soon. And thanks very much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Sholly Sawyer-McFarland, Roman Loyola, and of course you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you around.